everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast, powered by Amazon Prime Channels. And with us, of course, today, Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson, the Sunshine Boys themselves. Up in Boston, we have Tim Williams, and joining us will be Bill Bender, the fine writer from Sporting News. Well, guys, um, week two of the NFL season is in the books for the Buccaneers and for the Dolphins. It was week one. Uh, For the Jaguars, it was week two. They uh, took it on the chin uh, against a tough Tennessee team. And um, uh, Ira Kaufman is uh, spot on when he told us uh, about Tennessee. And he said, don't sleep on them. And Ira, um, Jacksonville had a tough time with Tennessee, but the Bucs and the Dolphins ended up looking pretty good. It shows, uh, guys, that you, you just can't read too much into week one. Patriots mm-hmm. got waxed at home by, by Kansas City. Chiefs rolled up 500 yards on, on New England. Uh, if you're living in Foxborough, you, you think the sky had fallen. And, uh, you know, they go into New Orleans and take care of business. Um, ironically, the Bucks and the Dolphins, the two winners from the Florida teams, uh, both came off their week one buys, gentlemen, which is something you never want, uh, and and uh, were fairly impressive. Uh now look, I was at the Bucks Bears game, and Chicago was awful. They they were awful. They didn't give themselves a chance to win. Uh, John Fox, uh, you know, flipping into that foxhole a little deeper. Uh, they they don't have much. Chicago, they they look like a, a three and thirteen team. Uh, Miami with a win on the road, guys. I don't care how you get it done. Um, a win on the road in the NFL is impressive. The Chargers aren't a bad team. Uh, they're an average team, and. Uh, the Dolphins can run the football, and they proved it again. So it takes a little pressure off Jake Cutler. Uh, Joe, as far as the Jags are concerned, uh, they are what they are. They got weaknesses. The defense isn't bad, but uh, they got a ways to go. And uh, Tennessee, Joe, who, uh, you know, they lost to Oakland. No no great tragedy in week one. The Raiders are very good, uh, and they bounced back. So I'm, I'm still high on Tennessee, Joe, and Jack's got a ways to go. Well, the uh, after the week one, which very impressive by the Jags, they figured out what they were doing right and corrected it. And um, the uh, <laughs> I still think they have a pretty good defense. I think they're better than last year. I, they need a quarterback. Let's just let's just say it. Um, and you know, good on them. But Ira, your football team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They, uh, I, I know the Bears are not good, and we all know that. Bucks did to the Bears what you're supposed to do if you're playing the Bears. They lined up, they kicked their backsides. The game was over by halftime. Uh, there was nothing not to like about that game if you're a Bucks fan. Uh, just very impressive, and I think we saw kind of a preview of coming attractions with this team. Uh, with the way they used Deshaun Jackson, uh, he didn't have a he didn't have a great numbers day. But what they did um, was was actually was was brilliant. They targeted him enough that the Bears had to honor him and cover him, which left Mike Evans, uh, you know, free to roam. So so to speak. And he, he noted it after the game. He said, what a pleasure it was to not be double covered all the time. And uh, if that's the way it's going to work uh, going forward, that's a, that's going to be a pretty lethal weapon for the Bucks uh, as the season drags on. What I really was impressed by with the Bucks was their versatility on offense. You see it on paper coming into the season that they had this, they have, in addition to Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson, they have two capable tight ends and Cameron Brait and OJ Howard, who who knows where his ceiling really is. And he certainly showed week one that he can or week two rather that he can block. He can he can really block and help that running game. So they have a more versatile offense now. And of course, Dirk Cutter did spread the ball around with the running backs as well. Jaquiz Rogers got the benefit or the bulk of the carries. But Peyton Barber showed that he can do some things as well. So they're going to keep defenses guessing all year. And that's been that's something I'm going to be keeping 
close track of with the Bucks is how creative their offense can be. Because when you look at it on paper and you see what they did in the first half against Chicago, they can do whatever they want. And that can really be tough to prepare for for a defense. And I also think the linebackers were very impressive. Levante, David, and Quan Alexander, people who follow the Bucks know these guys and know how good they are. The rest of the league, you know, maybe not so much, but they're going to have to learn because these that defense is improved, but the stars of the defense are going to be the linebackers, and they showed that in getting those takeaways in the first half and really putting that game on ice pretty much by halftime. We'll know more about them, Jim. We'll know more about them uh, Sunday because they're going into Minnesota. Vikings are a decent team. They got a good defense, Minnesota. They got mm-hmm. uh, they got some playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. Um, the Bucks traditionally, you know, uh, stumble. Uh, last year they they won in Atlanta, Joe, in Week One, dramatic victory, feeling so good about themselves. They went out to Arizona. They laid an egg. So we'll see about the maturity factor. Uh, but uh, a win at Minnesota, and then all of a sudden the Giants don't look that good in week three. I'm telling you guys, things are falling the Bucks' way right now. Uh, unfortunately, injuries, Greg Olson, Vic Beasley, Atlanta's best defensive lineman, he's, he's out for a while. Olson, uh, the Giants aren't very good. All, all of a sudden, guys, uh, if you're a Buck fan, you're, you're living large right now. Well, you know, Greg Olson just kills the Bucks. He just kills them. And to to take him out of that lineup uh, is really uh, what he's out for two months at least. I mean, that's yeah, just a, yeah. that's a devastating loss uh, to Carolina. And there was a moment uh, in the Carolina game. I don't know if you if you noticed it. You were at the Bucks game that uh, Cam Newton got hit hard and was lay face first on the turf for uh, a fairly decent amount of time and you know he got uh, he's cam newton so he got back up and he played but if his health yeah it's always going to be a question with him this year after after his recent past and so every time he drops back carolina fans are going to be holding their breath i thought they were going to put him under a concussion protocol thing for at least a couple of plays i was surprised he didn't take him out yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's a great point. Um, yeah, I almost expected Cam to have something to say about it. Maybe he, he will uh, today because uh, today's open locker room day uh, around the NFL, and uh, I'm sure he'll be asked about that. Hey, Jim, uh, what's going on in Baltimore? Your Ravens are playing some serious defense. Uh, you know, Dean Peace has uh, put together a pretty amazing defense, and they, for the past two, um, weeks and let's let's just put a codicil here on the fact that they played um no pun no no offense to you joe but the this is not a good Bengals team by any stretch of your imagination oh how how can you say that no. and and the browns <laughs> might be the third best uh, football team in the state of ohio behind uh, you know ohio state and, and cincinnati um but that being said i um they have they have got Probably the best defense they've had there since Ray Lewis played. And oh. there's a lot of no names on the defense, but, you know, it's led by Terrell Suggs, who's been around forever. Uh, but uh, it's a very attack-driven team. Now, they lost Marshall Yanda on the offensive line. But, you know, Flacco and his uh, and his bunch have done a, a pretty decent job of getting in the end zone. They haven't had too many long drives. They haven't had to. It's the old Viking situation where the, you know, the defense is going to give you a shorter field to play on. You don't have to worry about it. Just score when you get it. And um, the injury to Yonda is going to be a problem. But I think it's going to be quite interesting to see how it turns out uh, because they're going to be playing, of course, the Jaguars this week in um, in uh, London. So that makes for an interesting uh, situation. Uh, as we were talking when we talked to, um, uh, to Richie McKay about uh, what's going on and um, – you know, Rich say it was like a bowl game. Well, you know, this week's bowl game happens to be in London against a, a very aggressive um, defense of the uh, of the Ravens against, uh, as you said it, um, 
Joe, about the time it's time to get another quarterback. Well, Blake Bortles, unfortunately, is their quarterback, and this week he's going to have to uh, go up against probably, in my mind, one of the top three or four defenses in the NFL, at least at this point in time. Yeah, I think or later. Yeah, go ahead. Sooner or later, the Ra- the sooner or later, the Ravens are going to have to play the Steelers. Uh, yep, and mm-hmm. that that that'll be the test, uh, Jim. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll see what we'll see on that day. Yeah, but yeah, for I, now I, they're they're playing well. I think Blake Bortles in this game is pretty much shark chum. Um, it's just you know they're they do not even uh, even with Fournette uh, at running back, who's who's a going to be a fine player but they still just do not have the firepower uh, to bang with a, a defense like the Ravens for 60 minutes it's, it could get ugly well if you look at the situation with Tennessee I mean they had problems with Tennessee and Tennessee is not on the same plane with uh, with Baltimore I'm, again you know we've got a really small sample size but in in point of fact guys through the entire preseason Baltimore's defense carried that team uh, because, of course, Flacco didn't even play in the uh, in the preseason because of his injured back. But uh, it'll you know again, two games do not a season make. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see uh, this week in London um, just how the Jaguars can uh, deal with the um, with the Ravens defense. Tim, you, know, you want to say something? Yeah, I had a question for Ira since we've mentioned Bortles and maybe a team that needs to change quarterbacks. Ira, you were at the Bucks and Bears game. A lot's been put on Mike Glennon's performance in that game. And he wasn't good, but let's face it. He was, he was pretty bad in that, in that football game, but he also was pressured an awful lot by a Bucks defense that has improved, but it's not going to be the best in rushing the passer in the NFL. So if the, if, Mike Glennon's getting rushed by the Bucks. He's going to have a lot of people in the backfield all season, presumably. Yet people are still talking about whether it's time to go to Mitchell Trubisky. If they went to Mitchell Trubisky, would he survive the season? You know, Tim, Glennon's a convenient scapegoat. He is. Uh, he didn't play all that bad Sunday. Now, he threw a terrible pick six. It was, it was awful. He shored on the ball. Uh, but Joe watched the game, too. He was pressured. The running game generated 20 yards, 2-0, Mr. Williams, 20 in 16 carries. Um, Mike Lennon's not built, you know, to throw the ball 45 times. I I think he's got 85 pass attempts through two weeks. That That's a losing formula. You, you, he's going to get killed. Uh, he's a tough kid. He never stopped throwing the ball. He completed a lot of passes against a good defense. Um, you know, is Glennon the answer, Joe? No. Long-term answer is Trubisky. But if Trubisky would have played Sunday, I think the I think the score could have been worse. So anybody who wants to pin that loss on Mike Glennon, I think that, I think they're crazy. Guys, uh, let me introduce our and welcome uh, someone who we've had on the podcast a number of times, Bill Bender from Sporting News. Bill um, joins us from his home in Palacious Lancaster, Ohio. And um, Bill, we were just talking about uh, the three teams in the state of Florida and uh, how they fared the, in week one of the NFL. What were some of your storylines uh, from and takeaways uh, in week uh, two, I'm sorry, of the uh, National Football League? Well, you know, Atlanta's still very good, obviously. Um, I don't think there's the Super Bowl hangover thing may be a little bit exaggerated after the way they took care of business against Green Bay, who was beat up. Um, you know, I follow the Ohio teams. It is weird to think this, and this was kind of a text string between buddies, but the Browns might be in better shape, not only short-term, but long-term than the Bengals right now. Oh, um, oh, whoa. And I know there's a Bengals fan on here, and I, I just – so, so the Bengals are a complete mess, and that was brought to light Thursday and everything that happened afterwards. Yeah, I'm not really in a position to argue against that at this point. Um, <laughs> you know, I wish I could. Uh, the Bengals have more talent than the Browns. Uh, I can say that. Um, certainly have a better quarterback. They have, uh, you know, the, getting Vontez Burfick back whenever – 
you know, he, I think he's got to miss one more game. That'll help the defense. Defensively, they, they really haven't played that badly. Um, they, they, need, they needed to do what they did last week in changing offensive coordinators. Uh, a game like they played against uh, the Texans demands what I call regime change. You know, got, uh, obviously they weren't going to fire Marvin Lewis after that game. But somebody had to go, and, you know, the offensive coordinator was the obvious guy. Whether that makes a difference, they're going to Green Bay this week. Aye, good luck. <laughs> they're going to need it. Now, Joe, you've been calling for A.J. McCarron. Uh, what's, the, what's, the, what's the feeling out there about McCarron? Bill, well, any thoughts? Or well, Joe? Yeah. I, You're I, there. I mean, I, I know for me it's about – I was at the playoff game against Steelers a few years ago when he almost led them to the victory and you know he played a couple games after Andy Dalton got hurt and I really like him I thought you know I looked at a guy like this guy's a winner back to Alabama I know that gets overused uh but he's got that it factor about him Hugh Jackson even said as much at the time and then you know he you you want to see what you have in him because I know that the first name that came up in the last week with these rumors was Colin Kaepernick. Well, the Bengals aren't going to turn to Colin Kaepernick until they turn. They're going to turn to AJ McCarron first, if anything, because they're going to see what they want or they they have, and if they can get anything out of him, which that window may be closed. Well, the other thing is they have a decision to make going forward. Um, to amplify on your point, Bill, you know, Kaepernick or uh, excuse me, McCarron can walk as an unrestricted free agent after this year. And he's going to want to play. He's going to want money. He's going to want a chance to start. And if the Bengals are indeed entering a period of, of a major rebuild, and, and I believe they are, then is, does it make sense to say, you know what, we're, we're going to give the keys to the car to, uh, to McCarron? I, you took the words out of my mouth when you said, he has that it factor. I think he's got that swagger. Um, is he ready to lead them to the Super Bowl right now? Of course not. But, you know, they're not going anywhere. <laughs> they're, you know, they're 0-2. They're probably going to be OE after Sunday. And, and, you know, a quarter of the season in, you're dead. So you might as well find out what you got with this, with McCarron, and then – decide on your quarterback situation for the future based on what you see on the field. Well, you know, yeah, I, I, I'll go ahead. I, I was kind of getting ahead, to it when I asked, when I asked Ira about Mike Glennon and, and the bears situation, I always look at the supporting cast when you ask about changing in quarterbacks and seeing what you have in a guy like a McCarron. And I look at the Bengals and their offense isn't particularly talentless they have a decent offensive line they have good wide receivers they have a decent tight end they have a solid running game they should be able to move the ball on the ground so this would be a pretty good position to put McCarron in and see what he can do because it's not like he's just going to be pressured he's going to have a guy in his face every time he drops back which in those situations, I wouldn't go to the backup. But in the situation the Bengals are in, I think it's worth testing McCarron because they they can get something out of him with that offense. Yeah. And, well, and, you know, I, I, watching go the, ahead, Bill. Go, oh, just real quick. I mean, you, you, the talentless part, I mean, they have A.J. Green. They have – the running game is weird because Jeremy Hill hasn't produced. Um, I think they want Mixon to be that guy, but it's not there yet. Uh, the offensive line, they, they, they kind of ravaged. I mean, the, the running joke on my text over the last few weeks or the week or so has been the, you know, that game-ending play where Bodine caught the ball and got, like, body slammed by J.J. Watt. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's just – it's an Eifert can't stay healthy. So it's a collective thing. Whereas, like, telling you guys with the Browns, Browns are bad, and we know the Browns are bad, but I think their defense is better. Kaiser has impressed – Somewhat so far, they got to protect him better. And the the problem with the Browns is, and why it's not going to get better this year, Corey Coleman gets injured. They have nobody at receiver. They have nobody to catch the ball. Same Tell thing you what, with guys, the Bears. 
Same, same thing. Same thing with the Bears. Tell you what, guys, we're going to step aside uh, for a short break. And when we return, we're going to talk to Ira Kaufman about the New York Giants and um, some comments made by their head coach about a quarterback um, who's won two Super Bowls who seemingly can't seem to get out of his own way. But that's the tease. We'll get to that when we get back. You're listening to the Sunshine Boys. Hey, everybody, Jim Williams for Amazon Prime Channels. You know, if you're like me, you want to watch TV without uh, without subscribing to cable. I mean, watch on your own terms. You can get HBO, Showtime, BritBox, Acorn, Stars, Epics. They're just a few of the wonderful channel offerings you can find at Amazon Prime Channels. Now, all of these channels come with a free trial, and if you do decide to subscribe, you're going to get them at a reduced price. So check out Amazon Prime Channels in the link below in our show box for all the details. That's Amazon Prime Channels. Welcome back, everybody, to the Sunshine Boys. I'm Jim Williams, along with the Sunshine Boys themselves, Ira Kaufman, Joe Henderson. Tim Williams is up in Boston. Our special guest, Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Ira, before we uh, went to break, I was talking a little bit about the Giants. You know uh, how hard it is uh, to cover the Giants in New York, and especially when it comes to the quarterback situation. And uh, we now have uh, questioning as to whether Eli Manning is um, the quarterback for the New York Giants. I'll tell you why I think uh, part of the reason McAdoo uh, mentioned Eli Manning the way he did the other day um, is I think I think because he knows Manning can take it. And it sort of reminds me of Parcells with Phil Sims. Sims used to tell the story that he had a fantastic day and Parcells would take him out in the middle of the fourth quarter. And instead of congratulating Sims, he'd say, you missed two passes in the second quarter. How how did you do that, Phil? And and he'd never call him Phil. You know, he'd call him a curse word. And Sims was a tough guy. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's why ultimately Parcells, you know, came to respect him. And I think think Eli's the same way, guys. Even in his – demeanor in, in his manner, it, it kind of rolls off Eli Manning's shoulders. It seems to. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the reasons McAdoo felt he, he could say those things. Look, McAdoo's no dummy. They got no running game, and the offensive line is, is awful. And when that happens, guys, and, and I don't want to use the Bucks as, as an example, but the Bucks have all these shiny weapons. The Giants have Beckham. Brandon Marshall doesn't look very good, but he's an accomplished receiver. Sterling Shepard. They got weapons, the Giants, but it, it, none of it matters if you can't protect the quarterback. And uh, the same thing is true in Tampa. We'll see how the offensive line holds up in front of Winston. Uh, but, Jim, I, I think that's the reason Eli Manning sort of was the focus of uh, McAdoo's ire after the game is uh, he knows he can pick on him and, and, and he'll shrug it off. And, right. Uh, prop, props to Eli, although he, he's starting to look, look his age a little bit, guys. He is. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's that whole NFL East, uh, NFC East, I'm sorry, um, with um, New York having uh, getting off to a bad start. You have the Dallas playing inconsistent, Philadelphia inconsistent, and the, and the um, Redskins are inconsistent. So basically, you got four inconsistent football teams all battling it out in, in that division. Uh, the, Eagles, so. the Eagles did not play bad in week two, guys. Uh, they went to Kansas no, City. It no. was a competitive game. And, uh, mm-hmm. And of course, they they beat Washington in Week One. I'd say after two weeks, the Eagles are uh, the Eagles have played the best in, in in that division. I think. Well, I I would agree that the Eagles have done very well uh, in two weeks. But I was just thinking that you know it's going to be a fun. I, I'm I'm I guess what I'm saying is, is there isn't a dominant team. I think everybody right. thought Don, Dallas was going to come out and be the dominant team. I don't think Dallas. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott is still there, so you know. Somewhere down the line, we expect he will serve a suspension. But, uh, you know, at this point in time, Dallas is not the dominating force in the East. Uh, Tim, Bill, one of you guys were going to say something? Well, with the Eagles, I would I would caution people against overreacting about a team getting beat by Kansas City because we saw what happened when people did that last week. And Kansas City is a very good team. So I I think Ira's dead on there that – that the Eagles looked pretty good. You can look good in a loss when you play a team like a Kansas City. So 
that might be one of the takeaways from the early couple weeks of football. Right now, it seems like Kansas City might be as good as anybody. Bill, where's the um, the power in the NFC? Is it in the West? Is it in the Central? Is it in the uh, South? I mean, is there are the the best teams in the NFC? Are they uh, are are we looking at them in the South with Tampa Bay and Atlanta, Carolina? I mean, is that the best division in uh, in the um, in the NFC? I think it's probably top to bottom the best division because the Saint the Saints are bad and they still have Drew Brees, you know. So mm-hmm. you can't. I mean, he can still down in that dome. He can beat anybody. Get hot. I know that New England. They were going to get beat by New England anyway, but um. Yeah, with that top three, that's pretty good. I don't think the East or West is in that conversation. I guess the North, if you take out Chicago, you got Green Bay. Detroit's played well so far. And Minnesota, mm-hmm. even without Bradford, it was different. But I mean, week one, they look good. But, you know, uh, Detroit will challenge Green Bay. But I think same movie there. I mean, you know, and I'm a Packers fan, so I, I, I try to stay out of that one. But I, I, as a Packers fan, you you – Green Bay fans aren't looking at the division. I think they're looking more at the Atlantas and the Seattles and, and whoever comes out of the East because they're trying to get Aaron Rodgers back to a Super Bowl. Speaking of Seattle, guys, what what is going on with the Seahawks offense? Uh, Russell Wilson, I thought he was in for a big rebound season. Last year he got hurt a lot. And and, and Jimmy Graham, how can a six-foot-seven guy disappear, Anderson? He's disappeared. Um, you know, Doug Baldwin's a good receiver. They running game spotty. Um, what the heck's going on with Seattle's offense, man? It's bad. Bad. Well, it is just two weeks. But when you, uh, act, you know, everybody's jumping on them because they only scored 12 points against the 49ers, right? But you and I both know Ira, John Lynch. And we know what, what he's going, what kind of team he's going to try to build in San Francisco. So. In that particular case, I'm going to give a little more credit to the 49ers than I am going to take the Seahawks to task. Yeah, yeah, you know, on paper, you think Seattle ought to, ought to mug them. But keep an eye on how the 49ers develop this year. No, they're not a playoff team. No, you know, they're, they're, they got a long way to go. But I think that game was indicative that they've got something brewing out there. And, you know, Just keep an eye on them. That's all I'm saying. And I think, again, we need to just look at offensive lines for these kind of things. Right now, Seattle cannot seem to keep anyone out of their backfield. And at a certain point, it's not going to matter how good their running backs are, how good Russell Wilson is. If there's someone back there chasing them at all times, they're not going to be able to move the ball. So they're going to need to get better blocking. And I think that's... Maybe that's just where my mind is right now. I keep thinking of teams and their blocking schemes and how well they they protect their quarterback and their running backs. But I I look at Seattle, and if they can't change that, they're going to have a long season offensively. But the defense is certainly good. They might be able to spot it. Let me throw out some uh, stats here on Russell Wilson for you, as I read brought up. So far, he's averaging 5.4 yards per passing attempt. His passer rating is 76.3. His completion percentage is 56.1. Doug Baldwin has 10 catches for 107 yards, no scores. Jimmy Graham's gained nine yards on 10 targets. And basically, um, only the Colts and the Texans, both of whom have benched some of their key players, uh, are less well-off than... uh, than Seattle's average of 4.2 yards per play. Uh, Bill, so I think Carroll's Tim makes a, a good point. Yeah, Bill, uh, didn't didn't the Seahawks lose their left tackle uh, font uh, before the season started? And they weren't very good up front anyway. So I think Tim's right. Uh, their offensive line, that's got a long way to go, Bill. Yeah, that was, that was in the Minnesota game, I believe. And then, you know, when, when – Offensive line is everything, and at any level. And you guys know I do a lot of the college football for us, and it's it's so important. That's why Dallas. I, I mean, Dallas is who they are. And Green Bay the other night against Atlanta, when you don't have both tackles, completely changed the game plan. And 
you know, if I'm watching that game and, and, and seeing how quickly Aaron Rodgers had to get the ball out. I'm like, well, this game's over. It's going to be over soon because Atlanta can protect. And, you know, they, they couldn't protect Aaron Rodgers. So, yeah, I think in that NFC West, too, I, I, San Francisco, I'll be watching this 49ers-Rams game Thursday. It's going to be another ugly Thursday night game, but that's a discussion for the other day, another day. But want to see if the 49ers really have something coming on defense. And, you know, if Jared Goff can take that next step to the Rams, who have been, despite the, all the talk about the attendance, they've been better so far through two weeks. Well, Ira, I have a question for you. Uh, with your um, interest in offensive linemen, we look at the Buccaneers and – what impact do you think it has been on their offensive line having J.R. Sweezy back uh, from the start this year? Uh, it seems to me he's really stabilized that unit, and uh, it's going to be a lot better than people thought it would be going into the season. Yeah, I think the question about Sweezy is whether his back's going to hold up. He missed all last year, and you, you get an offensive lineman with a bulky back, and, and that's you know always an asterisk there. But he brings a lot of toughness, Sweezy. He's a tough customer. And you need mean offensive linemen. Of course, the other move is moving Ali Marpet from right guard to center to make room for Sweezy uh, at right guard. Uh, Marpet was not happy in the locker room with his performance last week. I think that's a good thing. Uh, high expectations for Marpet. Uh, I think he was approaching uh, a Pro Bowl level at, at right guard. So it's kind of a bold move. He's never played center before, even in high school. Never played center. Uh, so he's making that transition. He wasn't thrilled with his performance, uh, but he'll get better. There's a learning curve. Uh, he's playing a tougher defense this week uh, at Minnesota. We'll see how that goes. But, uh, Tim, your, your Patriots are rolling into town in a couple of weeks. I believe, it's a, I believe it's a Thursday night game. Malcolm Glazer is going into the Buck Ring of Honor that night, and, and uh, I think Gruden will be doing the game. And, uh Tim, what was the reaction in New England after the uh, – I think I know the answer, but uh, after the KC debacle, were, were, were people starting to turn a little bit uh, on your pats? Well, I don't know if turn is the right word, but keep in mind this is Boston where they will find the cloud inside the silver lining every time if you give them a chance. Brady gets the benefit of the doubt, and getting the benefit of the doubt in this city – well, you have to be one of the greatest of all time in your sport to do it. So it, people weren't on him. No one was surprised that he went out and had a great day the next week. I think people did not give, at least locally, a whole lot of credence coming into the season to how good the Chiefs were. And I think they were surprised by that. And I think that was that was certainly my takeaway. but then I'm not, I'm not necessarily your typical um, Boston guy when it comes to football. But I, I really think that the one person that's starting to get a little um, question, I heard on the radio yesterday, people were blasting Matt Patricia for his attitude in a, in a conference call with reporters. So, so there is people are starting to get a little restless because, well, at, at this point, if you're not the 97 Bulls of football, then New England's going to question you. Do they have some issues on defense, uh, Tim, after two weeks? Yeah, I, I think their defense is a little thinner than we expected coming into the season. They haven't been getting the play they want out of their cornerbacks in particular. And we, we talked about offensive line play on offense. On defense, if you can't defend the pass, this is such a passer's league that that's going to be a problem throughout the season. It's not going to be a problem when you're playing New Orleans and you can hang all the points you ever wanted on them. But it will be a problem when they're playing a team that might be able to get a stop here and there, even against a loaded offense like the Pats have. And it's going to come down to health. Their offense is missing Edelman already. They, we, who knows how injured Gronkowski really is. This looks minor, but he's been injured so often that I don't know if you can call it a minor injury with him anymore. So I, I think that's really what it's going to come down to. Their defense isn't as good as, as it's been in recent years, as you, as you implied. And 
if they can't get their offense together and healthy, then maybe they're not going to be the same old Patriots. But then again, every time anyone said in the last 15 years, maybe they're not going to be the same old Patriots, they've been wrong. So I'm not going to put my stamp on that just yet. Let me ask you guys a quick question. We talked about the uh, NFC South being uh, the toughest division in the uh, in the NFC. On the AFC side, you know, you look at the East, Tim just talked about it. Uh, I don't know whether there's a, a race there. Maybe the Dolphins can get into the hunt on that one. Uh, we talked about the North. That's really a two-team race between the Ravens and the Steelers. Um, down South, you know, that might be interesting with Tennessee and perhaps Jacksonville. But, man, you take a look at the West with Denver with Oakland and with Irish Kansas City Chiefs, that's a pretty good, you know, uh, group of uh, football teams out there. Any thoughts on uh, if that's perhaps the best division in uh, in all of football? I can jump in on that. I think it is, um, you know, because Denver really impressed me Sunday with that defense, and you don't see – teams do that to Dallas's offensive line. I mean, it just, Ezekiel Elliott was a non-factor. And, you know, Oakland's kind of the team I'm pegging. I don't know if they can do it, but I, I kind of threw this out at some people before the season started. I said, what if, you know, Oakland got New England at home in the AFC championship game? If it was at Oakland, who are you taking? And I would probably take Oakland. I think, you know, given with, with what they get, they're getting out of car, they've got Lynch playing well right now, and, and he seems to be a rallying point for the entire city. Uh, the receivers are good. The defense needs to be a little bit better, but you got a guy like Mac that can wreak havoc. And, and, and you know, that, and I say all this, and Kansas City's the one that rips New England in week one, and, and how good has Kareem Hunt been? So, I mean, when you got those three teams rolling and, and the Chargers are doing what they're doing, it's, it, it's a good division. Well, my question, yeah, my question on that would be, what if the Chiefs were to get the Patriots at home? No, yeah, it'd probably be a 50-50 game, too. Now, now we saw the Chiefs, it's could have, would have, should have, but they could have easily beat the Steelers at home last year in, in, in the playoffs. But I think that's the, the hump that the Chiefs have to get over is, you know, they've played the Patriots, they've played the Steelers. Alex Smith, in reality, has kind of been – the third best quarterback in the AFC over the last couple of years. And can they do that? And I, I know the Raiders are more, a more fashionable pick because all the storylines that come with it, but it only be interesting to see how that all unfolds. Because I think if Sunday taught me anything, guys, it's that I probably underestimated Denver. I know Trevor Simeon's playing well, but I think I underestimated how that defense can impact a, a, any football game at any time. I can just hear, uh, Jim, I can just hear Henderson. I can just uh, see the wheels turning. Uh, you know, Kaufman, in, in about 10 years, you, you might have another presentation to make for the Hall of Fame, and, and the guy's name might be Aqib Tlaib. Now, Joe, uh, when the Bucks drafted him, I believe it was 08, Gruden's last year in Tampa, uh, he, he was a knucklehead. He was, uh, you know, absolutely constantly in trouble, immature, he almost took on a guy in the locker room one day. He didn't like something the guy was writing. He's ready to fight him. Uh, but, Joe, when, when you get past all that craziness, the, guy, the guy's a hell of a football player. Um, I think he's returned 10 picks for touchdowns, gentlemen. 10. Um, that's in top five all time. Um, Chris Harris is almost as good on the other side for Denver. They got Von Miller. Bill's right. Um, now, the Bucks just signed T.J. Ward, which was a good signing for Tampa, Broncos safety. But even without Ward, you know, Jim, when you play defense with the pride that the Broncos take in their defense, uh, you know, you, you're not going to have one of those 5-11 and 11 seasons. So Denver remains very competitive in, in, in a heck of a division. Well, I, yes. I would I would go back uh, just a minute and invoke one of your buddies, uh, the late great Al Davis. Uh, who said, give me two cornerbacks and I will rule the world. And, you know, you look at what Denver's got. Uh, is, there, is there a better team on the corners than Denver uh, in the no. NFL right now? I don't think so. So, uh, and and your point about Tlaib, <laughs> he was a knucklehead. I mean, let's just, you know, there's no doubt about that. 
but he's been around a long time now and he's you know he may you may well be uh, making a case for him in the hall of fame at some point hard to believe but um i mean he's right up there uh in the rarefied air uh with some of the really top cornerbacks uh who've played in this era well you know Talib must be a really good listener because he's played with some really you know some players who he came into the league as a bit of a knucklehead as you said but he played with a guy like Rondé Barber then he went and right. played under Bill Belichick for a couple of years. He's been playing in Denver with all those great defensive players. You know, it, maybe he just learned by example. Maybe he just followed the leaders in, it, in that he's been following throughout his career. And with the guys he's had around him, if you do that, you're going to end up in one of those discussions one of these days. So I think it just stands to or it goes to show you how much listening to your coaches and your teammates can do. Well, and there's another point there, Tim, that you mentioned Belichick and, and uh, Talib's uh, career stops. It says a lot that the, uh, you know, elite teams uh, in the NFL want to give this guy a job. So, you know, obviously he is a, an elite corner and he's 31 years old. He's uh, I won't say he's in the prime of his career, but uh, he's darn close to it. And, um, you know, he is like, you know, like I said, he's as good as anybody playing the game right now at his position. Tell you what, guys, we're getting ready here to, uh, to wrap up. Let's, um, let's run through the games and uh, get your predictions as we go through. Ready? Let's start with the the Thursday night game. It's the Rams and the 49ers on the NFL Network. Um, should be an interesting ball game. Uh, Ira, we'll start with you, Rams 49ers. I'm going to go with the Rams uh, because uh, Aaron Donald's back. Uh, he's got a week uh, un- under his uh, sails to uh, get back to his dominant form. Uh, Joe's point's well taken. The Niners might be uh, on the road to recovery uh, defensively, but uh, they got a pop-gun offense. And uh, I think the Rams got too much defense in that regard. Henderson? Yeah, exactly what Ira said. Um, uh, even though they are on the rise, they are not ready to win yet. And and remember, Ira, uh, Tony Dungy, when he came to Tampa Bay, lost his first five games. And yeah. uh, the, f- the first year was a struggle. So I think that continues. I think the Rams really are a little bit better than people realize. Okay, Tim. Well, that's that's exactly it. I think you're both right on it there. I, people talk about the 49ers are going to be maybe a little better than we thought. Maybe they're on the they're on the right path, but so are the Rams. You might not know it looking at the various people who show up at the Coliseum on Sundays, thinking that somehow USC got pushed back a day or something, but they they are playing they could play very well and in what might be a thinner nfc than we thought granted based on two weeks they might be a contender to play in january so this is i would pick the rams even though they're on the road and on thursday night and that's a really big disadvantage but i would pick the rams mr bender yeah i like the rams too it'll be another ugly thursday night game people complain about but uh no, my point is always is find something there. There isn't something better to watch than the NFL right now. And, you know, I'll tune in and watch it as well. Ravens Jaguars in London. That game will be seen on both Yahoo. For those of you who want to stream it and on CBS. Um, so the Jaguars are the home team in London against the Ravens. And uh, we talked about the Ravens defense you guys uh, are all on board about the fact that uh, the Jaguars' offense is not too terribly good. Anybody want to comment on that one quickly? I would just say this, the Jags. We've, we've been pretty hard on them, uh, particularly for their performance last week. But let's mm-hmm. cut them a little break. Uh, they've had horrific flooding in Jacksonville after right. Hurricane Irma. And mm-hmm. that's bound to, to have an impact. It may actually benefit them getting out of town and and being able to go over uh, to London and and 
concentrate on football if, if that's possible under the circumstances. Having said that, they're gonna they're gonna get uh, plowed. In this they're not game. gonna be used to so many uh, so many people <laughs> in the crowd uh, uh, for a home game, Jim. That's gonna that's gonna be shocking for them. It, well, yeah, it's gonna be. The problem is that the you know there might not be enough Jaguar fans at that game. Um, Browns Colts, real quick. Um, any takers on the Browns Colts game? You better be a football fan to watch that game. That's all I'll say. <laughs> paint paint drives fans. I think they could win. <laughs> I'll jump in. I say the Brown. You know, I'm the Ohio guy here, so you know, Browns get this one. And if they don't, then you then you start looking at the schedule and starting to wonder when they're going to get one. <laughs> Got two coming up here, guys. That are going to be interesting. Eagles and the Giants. This, if the Eagles play, you know, Ira, as you were talking about, could the What's going to happen if the Giants go zero three? Well, then they'd be coming into Tampa, you know, uh, at zero three. Carson Wentz, guys, he, he looks like the Eagles made a good pick. He, he, you know, he looked decent against Kansas City. Played well uh, week one. Um, Giants. Uh, I don't think you can resolve all your, your problems in one week. So. Guys, I, I I think Philly wins the game. Anybody uh, else with you on that one? I would pick on that one. I'll take Philly. I'd pick Philly, but hasn't Eli Manning started off horribly before, and then just suddenly come out with looking like his old self and had a really good week? And yep. these NFC East matchups can be a little a little strange, so. If I were in Vegas, I wouldn't put money down on it. But, yeah, I would pick the Eagles. Here's a, a, a game that we um, will be paying attention to. It always seems to be interesting year in, year out. Dolphins-Jets. They're playing in the Meadowlands. I'll let Bill handle that one. Billy, it's <laughs> yours. Jay Cutler isn't too bad. And, you know, our, our guy Vinny Iyer wrote something about that this week. And I like the – Dolphins, and then I guess if you're a Jets fan, you continue to watch Sam Darnold with great interest. I think the Broncos and the Bills, uh, even though the game's being played in Buffalo, um, it's not this. It's at this time of the year, it's not cold enough to worry about. Um, so I, I think the Broncos. I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure Buffalo's got enough offense. Uh, yeah. Not with that defense. Saints Panthers. That's a big game in the South. I'll I'll well, take the like, Panthers. Like, I think the Saints are horrible. I just do. <laughs> uh, like Bill said, with with Breeze, you know they they're gonna win six seven games like they always do. But Carolina's playing some serious defense, gentlemen, serious. Um, but their offense is struggling. So I I got to give New Orleans a shot here, but I, I you got to lean towards Carolina. You know, if you have a struggling offense and you and and. You can look up and see that 53-man get-well card known as uh, the Saints coming to town. Uh, I think uh, you will you will see a, a better performance out of the Panthers' offense this week. I agree. I think this could be a game where Cam Newton kind of takes out his frustrations from week one and two on the Saints. Steelers go into Chicago uh, to play or to scrimmage, depending upon what I had said about the Bears. Um, Steelers go to Chicago to play the Bears. Anybody thinking that the Bears might pull the upset here? No. <laughs> no, and, and, and no, no across start, the board. No, no, and, and, and no, no, well, and hell no. Okay. Well, I think you start to wonder, um, you know, we do this at Sporting News because we're sadistic, but we have a – you know, a couple of us do this first coach fired pool, and I think if you have John Fox in that pool, you start to wonder, is that going to happen if they dropped 0-3, or how long will John Fox last? I think that's something to watch. You know, it's funny you mentioned that, though, because in the Bucks game last week, uh, the, the Bears were down 23 nothing, two minutes left in the half. Uh, Chicago fourth and two from midfield, and Fox punted. I turned to the guy next to me, and I said, he just raised the white flag. Uh, no confidence at all. And, and, of course, the Bucks get the ball at their own 15 and, and, and drive for a field goal. Uh, so a double whammy against Fox. Uh, just, uh, you know, he, he he's hanging by a thread, and, and I think that thread's got to go. Two good quarterbacks in what should be a good game in Detroit, and that is the Falcons visiting the Lions. 
after I would say that that's a dangerous game for the Falcons. It really is. Um, the The Lions, to me, are kind of one of those little sort of faceless teams. They're not mm-hmm. a glamour team, and but they're really good, and they can uh, they can get after you on defense. And you know, they as you noted, they have they do have a good quarterback. They can they can they have nice balance. Uh, I might go with the Lions in this one. One of these things that we always struggle with in these early weeks are when a team that we weren't sure if they would be good or not, but they might be, blows out a team that we expected to be good. And so far, our takeaway from Monday night has been how horrible are the Giants, and they have looked bad. But it also, it could just be that the Lions were really good on sun- on Monday night, and maybe they're just a better team than we thought. So I think this is going to be where the rubber meets the road, and whether and I think it'll come down to whether the Falcons play like they did in Week One, where they almost lost to a Bears team that we've now seen is not that good, or like they played last week when they obliterated a team that we know is good in the Green Bay Packers. So I would pick Atlanta, but I would. I, I think the Lions are are on upset watch, I guess. Let's go to the Texans and the Patriots. That um on paper looks like a pretty good game. But as we all know, as Kenny Main once said, you don't play you don't play games on paper, you play them on television. So Ira, you were about to say <laughs> Uh, well, they don't lose many games at uh, at Gillette Stadium, let's be honest. Uh, the Chiefs game notwithstanding. Uh Tim, I don't see a rookie quarterback uh, taking on Belichick's boys. Uh, uh, you know, and you mentioned the cornerbacks. On paper, uh, I'll take Butler and Gilmore as, as a cornerback tandem, and, and I'll sleep uh, well at night. Uh, I guess they're not playing particularly well together. Uh, I remember that blown coverage week one against, uh, you know, how do you leave Tyreek Hill open by 20 yards? That, that That's a, that's a rare miscommunication by, uh, by the Pat secondary, but uh, – I don't think a rookie quarterback is going to get the job done, uh, Tim, against uh, uh, what you said, uh, and I agree. It's not as good a defense as the Pats have had in the past. Here's a game that's shaping up to be an interesting one. We'll give all four of you a shot at it. The Seahawks, and we've talked about their uh, offensive woes, travel to Nashville to take on the Titans. Well, if there's one defensive coordinator you don't want to face, when your offensive line is having trouble, it's Dick LeBeau. And that Tennessee defense is still shaped by the guy who for so long shaped that dominant Steelers defense. So they're going to blitz. They're going to be very aggressive. They're going to be in the defensive back or the offensive backfield. They're going to have to make, or Russell Wilson's going to have to hurry. He's going to have to run. He's going to have to make, make plays with his legs as well as with his arm. This is going to be a real test for the Seattle Seahawks on the road, and I'm picking the Titans. Yeah, I like the Titans, too. I think, you know, Mariota will make a few plays, and and Seattle's offense, uh, you know, will be interesting to see what the overreaction is or the reaction at this point, because I don't know if it's an overreaction to be concerned about Seattle's offense, especially if they drop to one and two. Here's three quick ones. Bengals, Packers, um, Chiefs, Chargers, and the one that everybody on Sunday night absolutely positively can't wait to see, Raiders and the Redskins. I'm going to jump on Packers, Bengals real quick. I'm going to give you a fun fact. Fun fact that Aaron Rodgers, the Bengals are the only team he hasn't beat as a starter, and I've been to every game because my best friend is a Bengals fan, and we've gone to – the last three, and if you remember, um, so one of them, the the, the last, three games ago, the guy stole the ball from Favre in the last minute. Two games ago, the Packers lose on a walk-off pass, false start, and the last one down in Cincinnati, they fumbled on a fourth and one. So some strange things are going to happen in this game is what I'm trying to tell you, but I think Green Bay finally breaks that, and Rodgers gets his much-anticipated and much-not-known uh, victory <laughs> against the Bengals. You know the the Bengals have had now they they haven't played since a, a week ago Thursday, and we know they changed offensive coordinators at that time. That makes them a little unpredictable coming into this game. And you know, AJ uh, 
the the quarterback situation for the Bengals is at a crossroads. I expect them to come out throwing the kitchen sink at a Packer defense that really isn't all that good. But uh, the Packers will win the game. Ira, you got yeah, Chiefs just, and uh, Chargers. Yeah, yeah. On the Chiefs front, uh, guys, uh, you know, Kareem Hunt's getting all the headlines and well-deserved. So Alex Smith finally has some weapons with Hunt, Tyreek Hill, and then Kelsey's outstanding. Uh, you know, second best tight end in football, I think, to uh, Gronkowski. Uh, but I think some of the biggest news in KC's on the defensive side with Justin Houston. Justin Houston is back. He's healthy. Last time he was healthy, gentlemen, he put quarterbacks on the ground 22 times, and he was talked about in the same sentence as Von Miller. Uh, the Chiefs have missed him terribly in these playoff games against the Pats. They couldn't pressure Brady. No pass rush against Roethlisberger last year in the frigid cold. And uh, Justin Houston is a difference maker for KC. Um, he could be the final piece for a team that uh, has a long run. Raiders Redskins um, at FedEx Field in uh, Landover. Well, why don't you take that, Williams? Why don't you take I'll, that? I'll, if the Redskins can run on the Raiders like they did on the Rams, then I think it will be a close game. I think the Redskins can win. That being said, I don't think the Raiders can run on the Red, Raiders like they ran on the Rams. So um, I, th- I think the Raiders win this game by seven points. It'll be a close game. But uh, I don't, unfortunately, think that they're going to be able to to hold off Derek Carr and and all the weapons he has uh, with the Raiders. Hey, I got a question for uh, for our guest, Jimmy. For Billy. Um, Yeah, Bill, um, this running back on Penn State, this running back, um, Mm -hmm. is he as good as advertised? And, and, uh, you know, look at the lineage of running backs at Penn State. Franco Harris, Lenny Moore, Capaletti. Uh, Kajana Carter. Um, where's this kid fit in, uh, Bill? And um, could he be the best player, uh, you know, coming out of college uh, this year if he comes out? He's every bit that uh, – remember Larry Johnson? He, he's that. Yes. Uh, he's yes. that kind of talent. Um, and I know the the lineage in terms of not just Penn State running backs, but talking about, you know, are you going to spend a top five pick on this guy and a couple of the names that – Penn State's had a hit-or-miss nature on that because it was guys like Kurt Warner, um, Kajana Carter, obviously not much of an NFL career, Curtis Enos, another one that didn't have much of an NFL career. But I, you know, watching Barkley now, not only is running the football, but they've found ways to get – and what NFL scouts got to love is if you look the last two weeks, he's taken a pass out of the backfield, catching it, and scored and and made some amazing plays with it. He – He's a lot like Ezekiel Elliott, and he might, and he comes without the trouble. And I think that's why he'll be a top five pick. And uh, good kid, everything, everything he checks every box, guys. So if he's playing in the playoffs, everybody's going to see again what I, I've seen for the last couple of years. It's one of the best players in college football, if not the best player right now. You know, not to to take a opportunity here, but to get a plug in for uh, James Franklin, the coach at. Penn State. James Franklin does a very good job of coaching up um, kids for the NFL. And I think that um, he's under uh, when you've got Harbaugh and you've got, um, you know, Urban Meyer in uh, in the Big Ten, you know, obviously they get a lot of pub. But uh, I'm going to tell you that I think James Franklin is as good a football coach as either of those two guys. He really has done a good job. Um you know, and he's recruiting with those guys. That'll be the key moving forward because Harbaugh, and I know this has been, you know, NFL-centric podcast, but I'll tell you guys right now, Jim Harbaugh's not going to the NFL anytime soon. He's not going until a couple things happen. He won't go until Michigan at least beats Ohio State, which hasn't happened in, I mean, I can't even remember. I think Brady Hope got Luke Fickle one year. And then – until Michigan has won a Big Ten championship, which hasn't happened since 2004. Think about that, 2004. So whenever I hear the NFL rumors with Harbaugh, I just kind of laugh because uh, he's comfortable in Ann Arbor. He's kind of the king of Ann Arbor still. And, uh, you know, he cares about Michigan that much that he's not just going to leave if he hasn't accomplished some of these goals he he was brought in to bring. So with all those caveats, basically what you're saying is that Harbaugh is going to stay at Michigan 20 years. 
He might. And I, 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 I would never close the door on the NFL entirely. Like, if, if he, let's say Michigan wins a Big Ten championship, goes to the playoff, you know, within the next three years, which I think is entirely possible. I mean, there was no drop-off this year, guys. Um, and, I mean, their offense is struggling in the red zone. But other than that, they're, they've got as much talent as they've had. And then, you know, an NFL team calls and he has that urge to get that elusive Super Bowl ring, then yeah. But I still think Jim Harbaugh, you guys can agree or disagree, best coach, regardless of level, without a championship is Jim Harbaugh. I'll agree to that. Yeah. No argument. Andy Reid is a guy you could throw in there or, you know, a Chip Telly or whoever. But I think it's – I've said that for a while that Harbaugh's kind of that guy. If he once he gets that ring, he'll he'll be in the conversation with you know basically his brother and a bunch of other guys. Well, Jim Harbaugh succeeded in the NFL in a way that Chip Kelly simply didn't. So I I, I would put him well over Chip Kelly in that regard. Although Kelly is an innovator, and football kind of needs those, especially right now. But he certainly washed out of the NFL, whereas Harbaugh. Well, he took his team to the Super Bowl. So so there's that, and I think he's done a great job at Michigan. And he's a great competitor. He's That's the only reason that I, I wouldn't also put him, at, like say he's going to be at Michigan for 20 years, is he's such a competitor that I think that he might feel he has unfinished business in the NFL. Well, we'll see. Um Real quick, guys, uh, Cowboys, Cardinals, and then we'll finish it up with the Bucks and the Vikings. Cowboys have such a good offensive line. I've been talking so much about blocking this week, I can't pick against the Cowboys after all that. Right, you've been the advocate of the offensive line. Carson Palmer's not getting any better, guys. I think Arian's getting a little tired of him. He's got nobody to replace him with now, but uh... – I don't see him being there next year, and I, I think uh, I think Dallas will rebound. Yeah, yeah okay, no, that leaves us with. That. Go ahead. No, Joe? I was just agreeing. You were talking. I was just agreeing. Yeah, Dallas. All right, let's uh, let's close things out with the Buccaneers Vikings. Uh, I'll give you each uh, some time on it. Give us your social media and give us a um, give us a score and uh, a highlight. You can get me on Twitter at, uh, at iKaufman76. Uh, I think the Bucks learned their lesson last year. Uh, didn't show up week two uh, at Arizona after a big uh, opening day win. Uh, I think Cutter is uh, putting his foot down uh, as impressive as they were against the Bears. It was the Bears. He's not letting it go to their head. Uh, Minnesota's got Dalvin Cook. But based on uh, what the Bucks did against a Chicago team that can run the ball, the Bears can do anything. They can run the ball. Uh, Cook's a different animal, and it's on the road. But uh, I, I think the Bucks got enough weapons to, to squeeze out a, you know, a, 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 a 24-17 win. Okay. Mr. Uh, I, I will uh, more or less echo those remarks. Um, always tough to go on the road and, uh, and team. Uh, the Vikings coming off a loss are going to be, um, you know, uh, desperate mode. But a lot of it depends on who's going to be their quarterback. We don't know right now. And and people are going, oh, well, Case Case Keenum, if he happens to play, is, is a buck killer. Um, those those buck teams were uh, and buck defenses were not as good as this one. So um, I think the Vikings really need uh, Sam Bradford to be healthy. But <laughs> Either way, I do think the Bucks uh, come out of it with a um, uh, 28, no, 24-20 win. And I will make a bold and bash, brash uh, prediction, Ira Kaufman. I will predict that the Bucks get a pick six in this game. And your social media, Joseph. Social That's media. Right. that. Uh, Jay Henderson, uh, uh, Tampa. Okay. Well, thanks, Ira, for, for picking for, for picking up. <laughs> I the, forgot. Uh, You're welcome, pick, Jimmy. You're welcome. I appreciate that. Uh, Stumbled so, over that one. 
Dumbledore, anyway. we're, one more time, give it to Joe so we, we all can make sure. Jay Henderson, Tampa. There you go, Jay Henderson, Tampa. Tim, Vikings, Buccaneers. Well, maybe I sound like a fan here, but I I was thrilled with everything the Bucks did against the Bears. Granted, it was the Bears. Granted, they were at home. They had a lot riding on that game, but they looked excellent in that first half. And with Sam Bradford in doubt, I don't know if this is necessarily going to be the Vikings at their best. If it was the Vikings at their best, this would be the game of the week. These are both very good teams, but... I, I think that if he's anything but 100%, it might not be the game of the week, and that's why my pick would be Buccaneers 23, Vikings 13. You can follow me on Twitter, at Tim Wright Sports, and that'll be a um, great game because I'll, I'll be watching it from the Tampa Bay area. I'm moving down to Florida this weekend, so that will be... Welcome, young man. I'm welcome, looking forward welcome, to welcome. it. Well, okay, Billy, your turn. Yeah, I'm at BillBender92 on Twitter, um, and you can find all of our work at SportingNews.com on Facebook, the Sporting News Facebook page. Um, you know, I, I, I agree with I, – I've never heard the phrase Case Keenum Bucks killer. I must be out of the loop on that one. That kind of made me chuckle. But uh, <laughs> I don't think Case Keenum can kill the Bucks this week or Sam Bradford. Um, they will have to put – you know, a leash on Dalvin a little bit. Dalvin's very talented. Da- Dalvin, and again, covering the college game, Dalvin was a guy that I was probably a little more excited about than Fournette, you know, coming out of college because I just liked the, like his style, and I think it's conducive to NFL success. But, you know, Mike Evans will make a big play. Jameis will keep rolling. Um, the Bucks win, I would say, like, like something in the 27-17 range. Um, you know, and then – they move on, and they and then we start to talk about the Bucks as a you know, and this we, you guys have talked about this, I'm sure, and we did a little bit in the preseason, but you start to point their needle towards you know the Falcons, the Panthers, the Packers, and, and you start to wonder. Dallas has got to win, otherwise we're going to you know, kind of disregard the East, and then you know whoever comes out of that NFC South will be the team that challenges Green Bay and. You know, whoever comes, you know, like a team like Seattle, who I don't, I'm not sure they're a Super Bowl contender right now, but we can start to whisper that about Tampa Bay if they win this week. Well, that brings to a close yet another edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. Now, if you've not subscribed, first of all, shame on you. And secondly, we're very easy to get. All you have to do is go to iTunes. You can go to Stitcher. You can go to Google Play. And of course, now we're very excited to say, you can also get us through the TuneIn app on your phone, as well as, of course, Blog Talk Radio. So that's five different areas that you can get subscription, a free one, to Sunshine Boys Podcast, and we'll come directly to your phone every week, okay? So subscribe to the Sunshine Boys Podcast. like to thank our guests, of course, Ira Kaufman and Joe Henderson, the Sunshine Boys themselves, Tim Williams from Boston, and then... then Bill Bender, who joined us from the Sporting News as our special guest. So until next time, when we take a look at week three of the NFL, as well as the Major League Baseball playoffs, I'm Jim Williams for the Sunshine Boys podcast.